You're now listening to Real Estate Journeys with Matthew Baltzell. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Matty B, a.k.a. Matthew Baltzell, and welcome back to Real Estate Journeys, the exclusive podcast for new real estate investors looking to grow their brand and their business. And as always, I like to bring in and mix it up with some entrepreneurs, fresh spirit, and kind of learn from people's journeys. Actually, on today's episode, we're going to have on Colin Morgan. Colin is also the host of the Daily Grind podcast. Colin is a young and driven entrepreneur looking to help new and current businesses reach their full potential. Colin's mission is to inspire the next great entrepreneur. Colin started as a professional golfer before moving into the business field. Colin has been an entrepreneur since he was a teenager and is now the vice president and partner of Plan to Profit Group. He has taken his work ethic as a professional athlete and is focused that into his business. Colin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, man. It's an honor to be here. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm glad you're here. So entrepreneurism, I think it's it's a, it's this new topic that everybody's kind of, kind of jumping on the bandwagon. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur. Can you speak a little bit about what being an entrepreneur <laughs> is to you and like how you kind of have gone about your entrepreneur journey? Yeah, I think for, for me, it's I'd always been an entrepreneur. I think even as a professional golfer, golfer, it's very similar to being an entrepreneur. You don't get a secure paycheck. You have to perform in order to get paid. And if you don't perform, you don't get paid. So I learned from golf and I learned from succeeding in it and also not succeeding in it, what it really takes to perform at the highest levels. For me, after golf was a big struggle. Like I, I went through a period of really, for me, my whole life was tied into sports. So I felt like my identity was linked to golf. So when that was stripped away from me, I felt like a new person. I didn't know what to do. Um, but one thing I did do well is, you know, I grew up with entrepreneurship and my my father owned restaurants, my mother owned clothing stores. I guess to answer your question, like entrepreneurship, it's doing your own thing. It's not working for somebody else. Maybe people call that a freelancer, but I just call that entrepreneurship. I think it encompasses so many different things. Um, but for me, the path to entrepreneurship where I am now is, uh, was a long road. Even though I'm young, it took me a lot of years, a lot of hardship in order to get there, a lot of lessons learned, a lot of failures. But I think through everything that you do, you can take those experiences, learn those lessons, know how to improve on it upon the next time. And I'm just a big believer in action mm-hmm. and taking action. And I think that stagnation is the killer to a lot of people's um, downfalls. Mm. Like if you're not doing anything, it's the worst thing you possibly. I think failing is better than doing nothing because mm-hmm. at least you're taking that step forward and you can learn from it. Mm. What, what would have been some of those hardships that you've had to overcome? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, having to go as a professional golfer and, and figure out what is next for me was difficult. I, I tried... Uh, starting an online business in golf, which failed. Um, I got into international real estate, sucked at it. (laughs) Um, I tried to get into the used car dealership business, was like days away from opening up my own where I wasn't going to be in-house financing um, to people who couldn't necessarily get cars anywhere else, using your own money to be the the bank, so to speak. Mm -hmm. That didn't work out. 
then I wanted to to get into e-com, so I started my own e-com site. Just I felt like for a long time I was looking for that shortcut to success. Mm-hmm. I was just looking for how can I make the most amount of money in a quick period of time, and doing that is definitely the wrong thing to do, <laughs> which most people are listening know, but most people don't follow that practice, even though most people tell them it. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, all those lessons learned, everything that I did, those 12 jobs in a you know three-year window led me up to working for Plan to Profit, which now I work more as a on a consultancy role, um, more as a, uh, an advisor than sort of in the company. I felt like I've built up to that point. And what I'm doing with the podcast, what I do with professional athletes now, and then what I'm looking to do to speak to universities, businesses, and institutions on abuse in sports is what I'm really passionate about. But for me, it was just, it was consistently trying things and failing at it. But I think when you're young, you can get away with that. So mm-hmm. I think I probably look back on it and I'm very happy I did all those things. I read a quote and I'm going to butcher this a little bit, but uh, <laughs> it, it's it's about, it's from the uh, founder of IBM. And he basically said that the fastest way to, the fastest way to success is to fail at a rapid rate. And I think that most people, like you're saying, um, are afraid of starting. And if they start, then they'll become a failure. But you failed at, we'll just say, 12 or was it 12 ventures over three years. And some could look at that as like, oh, he's a failure. He's a washout. But I think one of the very cool thing about entrepreneurs is that they – they don't see it as a failure, right? Like they think of it as like, well, I wasn't that interested in e-commerce. My heart wasn't in it. This is just, you know, okay, I'll take a little bit of the web practice and I'll implement that into my podcast. Exactly. And I'll take my professionalism and uh, my entrepreneurship from golf and put that into the podcast and you take all these little snippets and you never would have had all that if you didn't reach out and try uh, – all those different ventures. So I think that's very important for people to hear. It is. And and throughout the same thing, like I believe in failing fast and failing often, but I'm also a big proponent in winning. And I think that learning how to win isn't something that just comes to you. If you've been failing for a while, you need to relearn how to win Mm. because that is a different habit. That is a different thing that you need to retrain your mind and get used to being in the winner circle, so to speak. But there are things you can do on a daily basis in order to help you do that. But I think people get sort of fantasized in this, I just keep failing and I'm learning and learning and learning. But eventually there has to be a point where you got to start winning. Mm. And I think that once you realize that, I think that's really for me as I started to interview people like you're doing, I started to realize that, yes, although people were failing, they were winning at Mm. something. They were learning how to win because without doing that, it becomes an unknown to you. Mm. This may be a bit of a nebulous question, but can you define a win? What would you define as a win? Anything moving you forward, progress. Mm. In simplest forms, it's progress. So it could be progress. It could be waking up and doing something as simple as I've been eating. Can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, go ahead. 
Sorry. Yes, you can, son. Yes, you can. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. So, like, I've been eating like shit all week. I'm not going to go ahead and choose a donut and a bagel this morning. I'm going to have a smoothie. Mm. Like, to me, that's a win. That's a step forward. That's creating momentum. And Mm -hmm. for me, that's progress. Mm. Little, little battles win the war. And I think a lot of people, I, I think a lot of people, and I mean, I'm guilty of this as well. I'm not trying to come across as a saint by any means. But it's so easy to focus on what you don't have or focus on the negative. 100%. But as soon as you have that mindset shift of like, okay, like I have a little cold, but at least it's not cancer. You know, like it's like, well, that's in perspective, right? You know, like, yeah. or like how Nike was, Nike saw, Nike went to India and they saw uh, a bunch of kids with no shoes on and somebody came back from Nike and said like, there's no market over there. Nobody wears shoes. And then they came and then another guy said, actually, nobody has shoes. Like that's our market <laughs> that we want to go to. Like a complete different yeah. paradigm shift, you know? And it's like things like that, that I think are very interesting and having people on like you uh, kind of open up that uh, different spectrum for people. Can you speak a little bit on behalf of like what happened with golf and like why did you transition? If you're a professional golfer, people might be listening to this and think, oh man, like Tiger Woods killing it. He's making some money. Like mm-hmm. what happened with the transition uh, from golf and why did you leave that avenue? Yeah, very simply for me is like I said I worked my whole life to be a professional athlete. When I was really young growing up in Canada, I thought I was going to be a hockey player. Um, but then I really developed this skill of golf and I learned to really love it. My dream was to play college golf. So I thought that that was the stepping stone to what I needed to do in order to get to the professional level. So I took a full scholarship down to the U.S. And and up until that point, I really never faced any adversity in my life. And it's just kind of what you talked about. We kind of live in like it's kind of through your experiences where, you know, some people think that being in traffic, being late for work is like the worst thing that could have happened to them this week. Like there's people dying. <laughs> there's people like who have a, we don't have a job and we're worried about being late in traffic. And I'm hundred percent guilty to it too. But in university I faced my first bit of adversity where I was abused, um, emotionally and sexually mm. during my time. Um, and I was forced to leave. Mm. And when I was forced to leave, I felt stuck and I felt like the only thing I could do was golf. That is the only thing I'd ever known. It's the only thing I'd put any energy into must be what I have to do. So I went and did it, but I never healed from past experiences. Mm. And I was just doing something because I thought that everyone else thought I should be doing it. And people gave me money for sponsorships and tournaments. And I felt like I'd be letting them down. But deep down, I was still feeling that pain. And I really didn't. The game that brought me so much joy now just brought out a whole bunch of anger in me. So there was a point in time where I had to realize like, this is not healthy for me. It's not what I'm wanting on this route. I'm not going to get close to where I want to be on the PJ tour and playing in, in major championships, like with, with people like Tiger and Brooks who we just saw. So it was for me, it was just a point in time where I had to decide that all this effort um, wasn't for nothing, but I need to put it into something else. So it was a point where it was kind of more of a necessity as it was a uh, a, a hate for golf if that makes sense mm-hmm. and what was yeah. what was would you say is i'll say the first after after you left golf and um you know what happened to you what was the mm-hmm. first i'll say moment you had where you you felt as though 
you were no longer stuck or you were moving forward. Can you recall that moment? Yeah, I mean, it's it probably about three years ago, and it's I started to to speak about the incident, which I do a lot more, and it's very healing when you start to talk about these things. And at the beginning, it's so fearful because they're topics that we're not comfortable with as people. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about them, you feel uncomfortable, and then other people listening, you feel like they're feeling uncomfortable. It's kind of this weird thing. But I sat down, and I was, you know, always had this mentality of like, why me? Why did this happen to me? And I remember sitting across and working with a professional and she simply just stared at me. She's like, Colin, why not you? Mm. And she didn't have to say anything. For some reason that really clicked to me, Matthew. And I was like, it just made sense. I'm like, I can deal with this situation. I have the support system. I have the family. Mm. Like I'm able to get out of this. I'm not stupid. Like I, I can move forward from this, but it starts with dealing with what I'm going through. So I could probably say it was probably that moment where I, I realized instead of living with like, you know, why me, why me, why me? I just started to have this mentality of like, why not me? Mm. And I've kind of lifted that and put that in place and in, in everything. Like, mm. Just because someone's able to be a million, why not me? Mm. Just because someone has a successful podcast, why not me? So it just takes away all that that fear of doing things because I look at the best possible outcome of things as opposed to looking at all the things that could go wrong because there's a million and no matter what you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and I think that's very important what you're saying as far as what I'm recapping is that, you know, accepting Mm -hmm. ownership and, you know, what happened to you, you cannot change. And there are, there are victims in this world, there are legitimately are victims in this world, and if something uh, has been, somebody has been abused or something has happened to somebody, like it's, it's that's that's beyond their control. Mm-hmm. Now, what you can take ownership of is how you move on from here, or what your path in life is going to be, and you decided to own that. And accepting ownership and how how you're going to recover and how you're going to move forward basically helped you down the path that that you're on. And I think a lot of people, you know, when they play a a victim card, they're like, oh, I've been dealt this card. I've been dealt this card. I've been dealt this card. When When you play the victim, you give away your power. But when you are no longer the victim, you take back your power and then you're in control of... I can spend this money. I don't have to associate with this person. I can move. Like these simple words and actions are able to help move your path of progress in your life in the direction that you want to go. And that's very admirable. And I commend you for that. And, uh, Thank you. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's really good. And I, I think, you know, a lot of people always try and act like we have it figured out, you know, even entrepreneurs. And, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, yeah, this, this, and this. And then you, you hear somebody's uh, story and you think like, Oh, like they can do that, but I can't do that. Like they could talk about that, but I can't talk about like, you know, my, my, my father or my mother or, you know, whatever. And I, we all have baggage, you know? And, and I think, and I, I think that's very, I commend you for dealing with that. that, that that's, that's very respectable. Thank you. Well, for me, it's one of those things where like I can hold it in, never talk about it and be like selfish about it, or I can let it out and share my story and, even you know recently a friend of mine who who committed suicide a few years back because of something similar I'd gone through like I'd spoken to his mom and 
she's obviously still struggling, but it, her thought is like, Colin, you have this voice, you have this platform, you need to help people. And uh, I think knowing that I think is, is, is very powerful. I think a lot of people, even though you have stuff, you don't want to share it to each his own. I'm never going to pressure anyone into sharing anything. Cause for me, I thought forever, I would never share anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a very closed in person, but it's a healing process and it doesn't just help you. It helps others. And I think if you have the ability to help others, I think you have an obligation mm-hmm. for me. I feel like I have the obligation to share my story and what I've been through to maybe there's one person listening who has gone through it, who is going through it or who's going to go through it in the future. And to know that there's someone out there who's done it, who's been through it, has come out the other side. It's super important Mm. because to me that was important in my healing. Yeah. And I think this, this may be going down a little bit of a different Avenue, but I think the in society, you know, if, if, if we want to look at a bigger picture of, you know, like it used to be like, the you know, the woman stays at home, goes to work. The man, he's strong, goes, he's a provider. You know, there's there, there there's never a, a vulnerability in in the, in the in a male figure. And, you know, I think now in society, like I, I've come from like an acting background. And any time that I've actually been vulnerable and actually spoken my truth, it's registered on camera or been perceived and you're like, wow, like you've done a performance and people are actually crying. It's affected people or yeah. like you like actually get goosebumps because it's, it's real. It's coming from a real place. And I always like to say to people like, you know, you can tell the good difference between like good acting and bad acting is like when you see somebody crying on screen and you're like, why are they crying their eyes out? And I'm not feeling a damn thing, <laughs> you know, like, true. And, so and, true. And, and so like, it's, yeah. it's, it's just like, there's a, it's just, it's just a fake, it's a facade. And I think now with podcasts and, you know, maybe it's maybe not the biggest movement, but I'm just saying you see more males being more vulnerable and having a different voice than what society has made maybe prior told you. And in that vulnerability is your truth. And I think in your truth, people are, can relate more to you in that sense. And that's, that's where growth happens. I agree. And it's a strength, man. Like imagine, I just look at myself, imagine for me, like imagine I live my whole life knowing that no one else did like that feeling that you have, like you have to live with that burden forever knowing that it's just you no one's going to know about it like this is something that you're going to hold it like that is tough Mm. that is tough and that's how people live and i just find it the complete opposite i'm like you know what being vulnerable is a strength it is far from a weakness and i was taught the same thing like hold it in be tough especially growing up in sports right like don't show fear don't (laughs) show when you're getting hurt it's like I get it but like really i don't know if that's sustainable long term Mm. Yeah, for sure. Very cool, man. I I, I think that's very uh, admirable of you. And so, can you tell me a little bit more about Plan to Profit, the Plan to Profit Group? What was that? What is that, and what's that about? For sure. Yeah, we uh, we'll write business plans. So anyone who's looking for funding for a startup or for an existing company, we we go in and look at your business and create you a plan that helps you either go out to a bank or reach out to investors to get funding you need in order to to fund the dream that you have or the business that you want to, uh, to start. If I understand this correct, you help people create business plans. Is that correct? Yeah. In the short term, we help people find money. So mm. if you're really, if you're looking for money, we're, we're the place to go. You Very got it. Cool. And how long has that uh, company been, been about? Oh, over a decade now. My father's been doing that for over a decade. 
Very cool. Very nice. Yeah. Well, I love it. I appreciate you uh, being on the show and sharing your journey. I'll close it out with the final three questions. First question being, what is your favorite book to re-gift? What is your favorite book to re-gift? Ooh. Let me look on my shelf here. Yeah. Because um, I've read some really good ones. I'm looking at Phil Knight's Shoe Dog. I mean, that's just a really good story. There's Principles by Ray Dalio. Mm-hmm. I think if anyone really wants to read a book, it's sort of – it's a really thick book. But there's two parts. There's Life and Business. They're sort of kind of one in the same. So you could only read one if you wanted to. Um, and then – I think for anyone who's like looking to start something themselves, I think Russell Brunson's a great guy to follow and his book Expert Secrets is is a diamond in the rough. It's it's a really, really good read. Nice. Question number two. If you were to give a TEDx talk, what would it be on and why? It'd be about abuse in sports, something that I'm super passionate about. I believe that there needs to be a change in our society in the way that we talk about abuse. Um, not just in sports, it could be about in business, but a lot of companies, institutions, and businesses are self-regulated, and that's in their own self-interest. And I think things really need to change. And I think the conversation starts with um, getting that message out there and bringing awareness to, to everyone. Because preventing abuse is a communal whole. It takes everyone. It's not just starting with one person. Mm, very good. Very admirable. Question three. What is a pain point or weakness you face right now in your business? Hmm. I think we all want to grow faster, but I don't know if that's a real answer for you. Um, I would say like you, you obviously know Gary Vaynerchuk, right? Yeah. He had a post the other day about feeling like you're like, you're almost like a, like I've said this before, but like a diamond in the rough, you're mm-hmm. like lurking in the grass and no one knows you about you yet. And I think that you just have to really stay patient. And for me, it's about, it's about that patience game right now. And I think if I could just implement that a little bit more, it would help me with my overall sanity and, and everything. So I would just say patience. <laughs> I think, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm a fan of Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. He puts out so much content, but I remember him saying something along Tons. the lines of, he was like, yeah, you motherfuckers think I am like an overnight success. He's like, this is, yeah. this has been like 20 years in the making. <laughs> have you, have you ever seen his, uh, old videos, his first videos? I've seen like a couple of his wine libraries, which he originally did and those early stuff. Yeah, for sure. Go back, go back and uh, just go to his channel and go like just oldest to newest or whatever. Look at his first videos and his videos are like, like one of them is like, oh, 90 seconds. I'm going to bring it to you real. And he just talks about like everything. He's like, jets suck, blah, blah, blah. Oh, get wine. Eat it with cheese. All right. And this, blah, blah, blah. He's like, that's Gary Vaynerchuk and I'm out. It's like. Uh, so funny you know like look how much he's so grown you know and so An evolution it's, yeah it's great and it's great also you know that you're doing your podcast as well and um do you want to speak a little bit about that about your podcast what uh what you want to let, let everybody know about your podcast and where it can be found sure yeah you can find it on anywhere you listen to podcasts um it's called the daily grind it runs five days a week monday through friday i bring on some top entrepreneurs and people celebrities athletes real goals to kind of get in depth with what makes them great, the habits and, and thoughts that lead them to where they are. And really it helps people go from nine to five and start something that they love and follow their passion. Awesome. I love it. And so on real estate journeys, when we like to give back to the audience and always conscious or consciously always be adding value. And I believe we have a, uh, a giveaway today from you. Is that correct? You got it. Absolutely. The daily grind planner. Is that correct? 
The Daily Grind Planner. You got it. I think starting your day off right is the most important thing. Obviously, I'm big into planning. It isn't so much planning, but it's just about setting the precedent for the day and writing down what you're grateful for, what you want to accomplish, having an action plan in order to do those things, and always putting your mind on what you want, ultimately, because I think passion really drives what it is that you're doing, and it'll get you out of bed when you don't want to get out of bed, so it just really helps you uh, accomplish your biggest goals. Awesome. I love it. All right, Colin. Well, thank you very much for being on the show. I appreciate it. You're a great guest and we'll uh, catch you on the next go around, my friend. Thank you, Matthew. Appreciate it, man. All right. Peace. Thank you for listening to Real Estate Journeys, guys. Your support is greatly appreciated. And if you found this content to be enjoyable, valuable, or entertaining in any way, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe, leave a comment, and a five-star review. Peace.